Holy Spirit, we just thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your rest. Your glorious peace that goes beyond all understanding. Yeah, we just thank you for Lee, Lord. We thank you for his life and what you're doing in it, Lord. We thank you that he is a beacon for you. Yeah, Lord, and we just thank you for the word that you've placed on his heart this morning, God. And yeah, we just ask, Lord, that you would just give him the words to speak into our hearts this morning, Lord. That nothing would fall void, Lord. Yeah, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, guys, today I want to take some time to talk with you about a key kingdom principle. A key kingdom principle. Um, let me say straight off the bat that the kingdom of God... See what happens when you talk about the kingdom? See what happens when you talk about the kingdom? Should we try again? The kingdom of God... The kingdom of God has many principles that apply to it. And a principle in itself is a key fundamental truth or law that serve as a foundation for belief or behavior. We know that the physical world has natural laws or principles that apply to it, right? We know that there's the law of gravity. What goes up must come down. And because you believe in the law of gravity, you behave in a certain way. See, I went to London recently and I looked up just outside where the shard is. And you have that moment of looking up. Do you know when your knees go a bit wobbly? And I thought, I, would, I wouldn't like to be at the top of that building. And I know something else. No one would like to jump off the top of that building. You might say, well, you know what? I'm a person of faith. I could do it. And let me just say, we'll be at the bottom with a shovel for you. Because the law of gravity says... You go to the top of the building and you jump, you're going one way and it isn't up. The fundamental truth shapes what you believe and how you behave. And just as the universe has natural principles, so the kingdom of God has spiritual principles. Fundamental truths that, be sh sorry, fundamental truths that should be shaping what we believe and how we act. Kingdom of God. Let's try again. <laughs> Let me tell you some of these key kingdom principles. There's the principle of mercy. There's the principle of love. There's the principle of faith. There's the principle of authority. There's the principle of power. And there's the principle of unity. Key kingdom truths. 
key kingdom principles. And as you read the Bible, as you open them, you should see these principles all the way through Scripture, from beginning to end, continuously seen in the Word of God. And it's another kingdom principle I want to talk with you about today. And it's the principle of increase. The principle of increase. If you read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you will see this principle of increase throughout the Word of God, from the beginning to end. Let me just give you a broad overview of this principle. Let me just share some verses with you. Genesis 1.28. God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God says to Adam and Eve, increase in population, increase in your dominion, increase in your rule and in your reign. In Matthew 13, you see the first parable that Jesus shared with the people. What was it? The parable of the sower and the seed. The very first parable, he uses the principle, you take something small and it has the potential to increase, the potential to grow, the potential to expand. And Jesus said something else. He says, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any of the parables. And three of the parables in that chapter alone are related to something that starts in seed, form and grows. Something that increases, something that expands, something that progresses. As the church in Ephesians 4.13 says, it says this, this is my paraphrase, we're meant to be maturing in Christ. We're meant to be increasing in our knowledge of him. And Isaiah 9.7 says this, of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. God's increase, his government is forever increasing. It's interesting that there's No edge to the universe, right? And and even scientists say that the the universe is forever expanding. But it has to, doesn't it? It has to if it reflects who God is and his government is forever increasing. Surely the universe has to do the same thing. Forever increasing. His government is always on the increase. Increase is a kingdom principle, a fundamental key truth. I wanted to show you those verses so you believe me. So you believe me now, right? From Genesis to Revelation, you believe me that there is a key kingdom principle called increase. Do you believe me? You need to believe me because that's where we're going today. So we're going to, if we don't get past that, we're not going to get very far. What does this tell us? It tells us that as Christians, we should be believing for, looking for, and experiencing increase in our lives. That's what it tells us. Now, let me give you the meaning of the word increase. Increase is to make greater in size, amount or degree. Increase is to make greater in size, amount or degree. And and I'll say to you that I think all three of these areas apply to us as Christians. We are to increase in size We should be increasing in amount and we should be increasing in degrees. And it's these three areas I want to look at and open up with you this morning. 
So the first area we should be looking for an increase in is in size. You're thinking, you're probably going to have to explain that one to me, Lee. What do I mean when I say we are to increase in size? Well, let me say straight away, I'm not talking about physically. I'm not talking about vertically. I'm not talking about horizontally. If you want to grow horizontally, you can go to the gym and lift some of these things. The easier route, if you want, is just to eat cheesecake. That helps go that way. But I don't know if you can do much about the vertical thing. I, I don't know if that's possible. Although, just the other day, Dave, last Sunday, you, I had one of those really good hugs. You know them Dave Gatton hugs? And just, he just grabbed me and got me. And um, he said, oh, Lee, are you getting taller? And then he stopped in the moment. And he says, oh, I hope I haven't reached that point in life when I start to get a bit shorter. Let's just hope I'm getting taller, Dave, eh? But increase in size has nothing to do with us physically. An increase in size has nothing to do with material possessions. It has nothing to do with how much we own. It has nothing to do with our assets. It has nothing to do with our bank accounts, unfortunately. Um, but when we are saying about increase, it is nothing to do with possessions. I heard a televangelist saying, you know, God is so good. He's increased my, my bank account, my assets. I've got a house. I've got a, a new car that costs $30,000, I've got a, a, a private jet. And somehow the, the increase in wealth was something that was to be sought after as a kingdom principle. But let me tell you guys, that's just not biblical. It's not biblical. What then do we want to see increase in size? The answer is in 1 Peter 2.13. Let me read you what it says. 1 Peter 2.13. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. It might say incorruptible seed in your version. As Christians, if, if you are saved, I've got to say if you're saved now after Phil's message last week. Um, I was sitting next to Joel when he'd done the checklist and he had them all ticked off at the end of the list. I'm, I'm glad you're in. But when you get saved, Jesus puts himself inside of you by the Spirit of God. And how does he come? He comes as an incorruptible seed. And this is really great news for you because it says that his life is never going to disappear. It's never going to dissipate. It's never going to dissolve. It's one of those great truths that you can hold on to in the gospel about the security you have in Christ. But here's the deal. What does seed want to do? See, seed has one purpose. It has one desire. It has one goal. And that is to germinate and grow until it's fully formed. That's what seed wants to do. And that's what Jesus wants to do in you. Jesus wants to increase in size to full maturity. That's what he wants. Let me give you an agricultural fact. Seed contains life within itself. And when it is planted, the seed is in suspended animation. Everything for life is inside that seed. It just needs the right environment to grow. If seed fails to develop, 99% of the time it's due to a poor environment rather than a dud seed. So if there's a problem with germination and increase, it has nothing to do with the seed and all to do with the environment it's planted in. 
This is what I want to say to you. As Christians, you choose whether Jesus increases in size or whether he stays in suspended animation. Let me tell you how this works. How does Christ increase in us? John 14, 23 says this. All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and we, him and Jesus, Jesus and the Father will come and make our home with each of them. That's what he says. I think I used this verse the other day when I was talking. But in the context, Jesus saying, look, I love you. You're securing me. I'm the way, the truth and the life. You come to the Father through me. And then he goes on to say, I'm sending the spirit of God to come and live with you, live in you. And then he moves to this line and says, obey me and I will come and make my home in you. He says this, if we are obedient to him, he's at home. He increases in us as we are obedient to God. You can't do it without the Holy Spirit being in there first. If you read that passage, it's security, spirit in you, obedience. That's how it works in the kingdom. The Holy Spirit's job in you is to promote and empower increase in our lives. Increase of Christ in us. Here's your part to play. You have to say yes and you have to respond. If you don't, there is no increase. See, the Spirit of God reminds us of everything Jesus taught. That's what it says in John 14, 26. If you're reading the Word of God, as you're walking through life, the Spirit of God is bringing things up all the time, saying, do this, do that. Well, don't go there. Don't say that. Refrain a little bit here. That's what he does. And every time you respond and say, yes, Christ is increasing in you. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. See, Jesus has one desire, and that's that you look like him. You are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. You might think, well, what does this mean? Does it mean he wants to change my personality? No, 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 you're unique. You're great, and he loves you just as you are. But the old saying, right, is that he loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you as you are. He wants to work on your character. He wants to work on your conduct. He wants to work on your attitudes. He wants to work on your desires. He wants to work on your priorities. He wants to work on your actions. And he wants all of them to be all of his. That's God's desire. See, he lives in you already. He is an incorruptible seed. But whether he is at home or not depends on whether we allow him to increase in us. He says he wants to make his home in us. Can I suggest to you it's the difference between Jesus being a landlord or being a tenant? As a tenant, any change you have to make in a property, you have to get permission for, right? We've got a carpet in our toilet and we've asked our landlords, lovely landlords, and we said, can we take the carpet out and put some flooring down? We've got a three-year-old boy. I'll say no more about that. But they let us do it. But I have to ask permission. See, as a landlord, you just go and make all the changes that you want. You just go in there and do whatever you want. Why? Because you own the property. You change whatever you want and you make it to your liking. Can I say to you that you can choose whether Jesus is the landlord or tenant inside you. 
If he is the landlord, he can increase and call the shots. If he is the tenant, you can say, increase it. Actually, I don't want you to touch that. You can change me there, Jesus, but actually, you're not having that part of me. You can come into this area of my life, whoa, don't go there. You have to choose whether he is the landlord or the tenant. And every yes to God, every time you say yes to him, he is taking territory inside of you and he is increasing and he will increase to full maturity. How do you know if Jesus is increasing in you? We might think we need to pray that John the Baptist prayer, right? I must decrease and you must increase. But I need to tell you that is not a legal prayer for you. You are not allowed to pray that prayer. Because John the Baptist had a specific role and that was to prepare the way for the Lord. And so when Jesus came, he had to move out the way so Jesus could be seen. And you cannot pray this anymore because where does Jesus live? He lives in you. So what does that mean? It means if Jesus is seen, you are seen. If he increases, your visibility increases. That's what it means. That's the way you know that Jesus is in you, is that people start to see you. There's silence for that. <laughs> let, me, let me give you an example. There was a guy um, I used to know at Brentford, uh, down at the football. Crazy, crazy guy. He, but he loved Brentford so much. And I wasn't friends with him, but I would just talk to him at the games. I'd say, oh, what did you think? And, you know, we just got chatting just a little bit here and there. And then Brentford played Millwall away. Now, if you don't know, Millwall is probably one of the most dangerous places to go on the face of the earth, okay? Unless there's any Millwall fans in here, it's a really nice place. And, uh, <laughs> and so we go to the game and, you know, it, it's scary. The whole experience is scary. And we're in the game and the game's going on and I'm playing, saying just, please Brentford lose, please Brentford lose, because it'll just make it so much better to go home. And uh, Brentford oblige, of course, that's not a problem for them. Um, and we go to Millwall Station. And when you go to Millwall, you don't wear colours, because it's just dangerous. You don't do that. There's so much trouble can be down at Millwall. So you just go and just try and mix into the crowd. So we're at Millwall Station and I'm standing there and all of a sudden this guy comes up to me, red and white shirt, big guy. All right, mate. I can't believe we lost that game to them. They're rubbish, aren't they? All these people that were Millwall supporters turned and looked. Because they saw him, they saw me. <laughs> and I need to tell you that if that train didn't get there in 30 seconds, I would not be here to tell this story today. <laughs> Here's the point. If he is increasing in you, I tell you that you are more visible than that man at Millwall Station. You are more visible than that man at Millwall Station. And here's the deal. I'm not looking for people to look at me. But I'm happy if they look at me and see me because they see him. Bill Johnson said this, if someone comes to me for prayer and they meet Bill but not Jesus, we both go away disappointed. People come wanting to meet Jesus and he wants to reveal them. And that should be our heart. That should be our desire. And Jesus says this, doesn't he? He says, you know a tree by its fruit. No one goes to a tree and say, oh, I think that's got great seed really good life inside of the roots. No, people go and look at a tree and say, it's identified by its fruit. It's what's visible. So when people see you, they see him. They see you, they see him. 
on Friday I came to, I was in the cafe and I popped out and there was Herman and Esther and Caroline and Andor and Elizabeth and they're sitting around listening to the word of God on, on some uh, recording. And as I pop my head around the corner, there is also our local policewoman sitting there amongst them as they're listening to the word of God. And I, I just walked out and I said, oh, you be careful of these lot. They're dodgy people. That's what I said to the policewoman. Lo- lovely people, but a little bit dodgy. And um, she said, oh, she said, I just love it here. I always feel so good when I come into this place. See, how can you not feel good if you're hanging around with Jesus? And she was hit on five sides by him. (laughs) If you are allowing him to increase in you, when people see you, they will see him. We want Jesus to increase. This should be every Christian's priority. God, I want people to see me just because they can see you. And I feel like I might need to encourage you here because you might be here sitting here thinking, oh man, I I don't look like Jesus. (laughs) Can I say to you, join the club. Join the club. See, if you look at how much you don't look like Jesus or how much Jesus isn't seen, you're going to be a very depressed person because there's always a way to go. If you, please, please do this. Do not look at how far you have to go or even where you are now. The best thing to do is look how far you've come. Look how far you've come. The enemy is always going to point out what you haven't got or what you lack, but he will never point you towards how far you have come and where you are now. You can only really know how much Jesus has increased in you as you look back. Uh, I've got a friend who has got a little boy and on, on their wall he draws lines of the, his child's height every year. So you, you look on the wall and there's a, there's a line for when he was two, a line for when he was three, a line for when he was four. And every year he goes to that wall, there's increase. Every year he goes to that wall. Dave, I don't recommend you do it. You might be going the other way now. <laughs> Sometimes the only way to see how much increase there is is to compare with where you were before. And I hope all of you can say, you know what, I used to have a terrible attitude with something and now I don't. I used to fret about situations and now I have peace. I I, I would complain about everything and now I just complain about some things. In short, I see more of Jesus now than I did back then. One year ago, two years ago, three years ago, whenever. We are work in progress, and that is fine as long as there is progress, as long as there is increase. We want to see Jesus increase in size in us. If he is seen, we are seen. Let me just give you a couple of these others and we'll we'll bring it to a close. The next definition of increase is in amount. We need to increase in the amount we have. And you might be saying, well, where do we need to be topped up? Where do we need to have an increase. Listen to what it says here in Luke 2.52. It says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and all the people. And it's this word favour I want to look at with you now. We should, all of us as believers, we should all be increasing in the amount of favour that we carry. You're going to say amen to that? 
And you might say, you know what, I'm blessed and highly favoured, which if you remember a couple of weeks ago is not biblical, but you can say anyway, I'm blessed and highly favoured. But you know, there's a, there's a big, big difference between blessing and favour. A big difference between blessing and favour. And I'll say to you now that you might be blessed, but that does not necessarily mean that you are highly favoured. See, if we thought favour was God giving us things, giving us money or giving us work or or providing a home or provision, and we can sometimes say that is the favour of God. Can I tell you that is actually blessing? The meaning of the word favour comes from grace. And it means this, it's something that God freely extends to give himself away to people. Something God freely extends to give himself away to people. So if you look at that Luke 2.52, in the context of this verse, favour was something that God freely gave his son so that he could give it away to others. If we are increasing in favour, it means that we have opportunities to give Jesus away to others. That's what it means. Favour is partnering with God to see his kingdom come. Blessing is what God does because of who he is. Favour is who he is sharing with you what he does. If we increase in favour, it will only ever benefit other people. In a nutshell, increase in favour means you get more work to do. That's what it means. You get busy. You might say, I'm happy just to be blessed. But I'm encouraging each of you to pursue favour. Pursue favour. It's when you walk in favour that you truly know God's heart. It's Romans 12, 1 and 2. Give yourself to him and he reveals his good and pleasing and perfect will to you. It's Matthew 6, 33. Your kingdom first and you take care of the rest, God. It's saying, God, I am yours. God, I want to see your kingdom. God, I want to increase in favour. I flew to Kentucky on Christmas Day and when I was on the plane... I had an aisle seat and I thought, oh, this is favour. Because I don't like to sit in the middle with two people I don't know. I just want to sit there and not talk to anybody and just watch films and eat food. That's terrible. Not holy at all, is it? But that's what I want to do when I'm on a plane. But I get put in this seat and uh, there's two ladies next to me. There's a Dutch lady on the far seat and there's a British lady in the middle. And as we're going, you know, I, I don't know how this happened. We were just, just got into a conversation. I was watching The Martian or something, put it down, you know, you eat, and then got into a conversation. And this woman next to me starts to open up about how she's going through a real terrible divorce at the moment. And so we start to talk, and, and then the lady on the end says to me, oh, what do you do? And I said, oh, you know, I'm in communications. And, um, she, she, and then I told her what I really did, and I said, you know, I told her I was a pastor. And so this lady started to ask me questions. And in her situation, I was able to share Christ with her, just share the gospel, just share some truths. And then the, the lady on the Dutch lady would say to ask this lady a question, and then she would turn to me and goes, ask the reverend what he thinks. <laughs> this was on the plane ticket, like the Martians going on in the background, this is all happening here. And I said to her, can I pray for you? She said, yeah, you can pray for me. And I was, I was praying for her. She's crying on the plane. And I'm inviting just God to pour out your grace on her. Pour out your grace on her situation. Pour out your love upon her. Just be with this precious, precious woman. And I'm sitting there thinking, 
this is not what I signed up for for this trip. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, God, it's just so wonderful that you used me. God, it's so wonderful that I was able to serve you. But do you know what I didn't see it as and what it actually was? It was the favour of God. Amen. See, the favour of God allows you to give Christ away. It's not because I'm special. It could have been anyone. You've just got to say to God, you first. You first. And you've got to just say, God, I, I want to walk in your favour. I want you to partner with me. I want to see your kingdom come. And you know what? He will bring opportunities to participate with him. That's the word we heard this morning too, right? It's about participating with God. Last area, and we're going to close this up. The last definition of increase is degree. We want to see the level of what we have increase. What is it that we want to see increase to another level, which has nothing to do with a 1990s boy band, if you know who they are. Does anyone know who another level are? Remember them? Of course, they'll see the, the 80s and the 90s kids put their hands up. Last scripture for the morning. Luke 16, 10 to 11. It says this. Luke 16, 10 to 11. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be, won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Jesus is saying here, to the degree we handle well what we are given is to the degree we can expect increase. It should be all of our desires to have an increase in responsibility. Can I say to you, I for one, I, I, I desire those true riches from heaven. I want that. I hope you say that you want that too. But to have them, we have to be faithful with what we have right now. It's all about how we handle the small things, the little things, the mundane, the day-to-day. It's our attitude towards work if we don't really like the job. It's our diligence with any ministry we are involved with. It's how we treat people in private as well as in public. It's what we're doing when people are not looking at us. See, there's a danger that we can always be looking for something more all the time and missing what's going on right now. We might be looking for that other job or a bigger ministry. Or we might think, oh, I don't have to try so hard at home, just in public. Or it doesn't matter what I'm doing as long as I'm not hurting anyone. But this is what it is. If we are intentional and faithful with what we have, we will be given an increase in what we're given. An increase in what we can handle. An increase in responsibility. We get true riches from heaven. So what are these true riches? I I believe that these true riches are a greater anointing of the Holy Spirit. Greater revelations of the kingdom. More authority. Deeper relationships. See, when we are intentional and all in with the present, God can increase what he gives us in the future. Let me just clarify that. See, am I saying to you that if you handle your ministry well, God's going to give you a bigger one? No. Am I saying that if you love people right, God will pour out extra blessings on you? No. Am I saying that if you have a good attitude, God will open a door for you for another job? No. See, that kind of thinking is worldly thinking. It's worldly thinking. In, in the world, you work your way up the ladder, right? The ladder of success. And it's almost like if you do well with what you've got, you get more money, more influence, more glory. And that thinking can infiltrate the church. 
You know, I, I know someone who used to go to a, a big church in London, and she said to me, the reason people join the worship team is they want to play conferences. So they join with, with a goal. It's like they want to do this just so they can go and do that. But it's not handling well what they're given. People do that in the X Factor, don't they? They start and they go and audition. What's their desire? They want to go play Wembley Stadium. You can see how we can get this stuff wrong. We can think that to smart stories, to start small and increase is to have a bigger platform, more people listening to us, a greater sphere of influence. But I'm saying to you that I'm not saying to you that God can't do that. See, God might give you a, a bigger ministry. He might open a door for you for something better or, or greater. But that's all to do with his grace. It has nothing to do with the true riches of heaven. If you handle well what God gives you, he might give you a greater anointing in the exact same place that you are. More power, more authority, more revelation, deeper relationships, just where you are now. I've got a, last story, I've got a, a new old car. And that's uh, a 2006 Citroen. And just found out it needs a lot of work doing on it, which is fantastic after you just buy something. Um, but I was, I, I'm, I've been driving in this car and I've tried to drive. You know when you get something new, you try and be really careful, don't you? And so I'm driving really slowly over the speed bumps. I'm not going too hard on the accelerator. Braking really nice and early. Just trying to do everything right. I've been trying to handle the car really well. And so I was sitting in the car the other day, and I noticed on the gearbox there was a little S. So I thought, oh, I wonder what that is. So I pull out the manual, and I flick through the manual, and I come to the gearbox, like the, the part on the gearbox, and it says S equals sports mode. <laughs> Something inside me got very excited very quickly. So I thought, this is what I'm going to do. I, I drive out of the driveway, S. On the Bilton Road, all of a sudden, my Citroen became a Ferrari. <laughs> and I mean, I was gone. I, you know, the speed limit's 20. I don't know how fast I was going. It wasn't my fault. I just put my foot on the accelerator and this thing just went. I mean, it's a Citroen. Come on, it can't be that. It can't be that bad. But I handled it well. And I was able to handle it well because I handled it well before I had sports mode. Here's the point. I still had the same car but now had access to an increase in power. Same place, more power. So it is with us. We can handle well where we are and what we are doing and have access to a greater anointing, greater revelation, greater authority, greater power from heaven in exactly the same place. So let's live to see Jesus increase in us. Let's pursue an increase in favour and let's handle well what we have so we can have an increase in the true riches of heaven. God bless you guys.